Wir gehen jetzt in den Wassers los. It's Deinen Freundo, Seth, I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh, German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name. Actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. What's the good word, Super Nintendos? We are back for episode 609 of Nintendo Voice Chat. I am your host here in Maine, Seth Macy, in Los Angeles, Per Schneider. From the production overkill. Whoa! Lonely <laughs> studio. Wow. <laughs> so lonely. Uh, in the Bay Area, industry legend Cat Bailey. 
Wow, I'm so jealous. I've been in that studio, and yet here I am being super jealous of you, Pear. Yeah. And then, Mitchell, I actually don't know where you're at right now. So from your house, Mitchell Saltzman. Yes, from my house, also in Los Angeles, but I have actually never been to that uh, that studio. So uh, hopefully one day I can uh, check it out for myself. Well, with hopefully traffic, we it all be there. Yeah. <laughs> with traffic, it should take you, what, like four four hours to drive in? Or? About that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. It also well, costs just... like, you know, $70 with gas prices. <laughs> That's all right. That's what bicycles are for, or, or LA's famous public transportation system. But enough mm. about Los Angeles because it's very cold here in Maine. I don't want to think about any place that's warm right now. Let's talk about Nintendo news. This isn't specifically Nintendo news, but it's something that I think just came out this morning. And that was a Twitter thread by Yuji Naka, who of course is a very famous developer about the, I, I guess it's infamous game, Balan Wonderworld, famously pretty wretched game. Uh, Yuji Naka was fired from his role as director of Balan Wonderworld, which is of course just a bad, bad game. I think we gave that a three, a three or a four. I'm not four exactly or something, sure, but yeah. Uh, Yuji Naka took to uh, Twitter with a thread about what happened because the lawsuit, he wasn't able to speak on it. And this is translated from the original Japanese quote, I think Square Enix is no good. They don't care about games or fans, end quote. Uh, later on in the thread, he says, for my part, I would like to offer my sincere apologies to those customers who bought the unfinished Balan Wonderworld. Kat, you are, of course, uh, the news hound of IGN. Would you care to comment on what you've been tr uh, tracking down about this? Yeah, Yuji Naka really went off the rails, didn't he, <laughs> with that tweet thread? <laughs> He's just letting yeah. it out. And for a Japanese developer, wow. Like, for him yeah. to just completely go off on Square like that. But he, like, to say, Square Enix is no good for gamers is a, it's a pretty strong statement. But, yeah, no, Yuji Naka, he um, seemingly does not care after filing a lawsuit against Square Enix. And the things that he seemed to be most aggrieved by is that Balan Wonderworld was released unfinished and early before it was done and that he got blamed for it. And also that he could not interact with fans on social media. He was pretty mad about that. He was like, I want to be able to like and retweet fan art and things like that. But I was explicitly forbidden from actually being able to do that. And he also complains quite a bit about how Square handled the music. Um, I'm a little hazy on this front, but basically yeah. the soundtrack was arranged uh, by YouTuber Pianist. And he's saying, why are you doing this? Just release the original soundtrack. Yeah. That's what I'm getting. Yeah. Yeah. It. it uh... I remember this game being in development and looking at it and thinking, oh, that looks like it might be fun. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, Tom Marks reviewed it and said that it's absolutely not not fun at all. It uh, has that little bit you... of a Nights into Dreams yeah. that's, to it. Right. Of course, that's probably where most people know Yuji Naka is from Nights into Dreams. And I, well, sort of thought that's what we were getting here, but we, that was not the case at all. No, it's, Pear, it's, you... it's, it's bad Banjo-Kazooie is what it is. 
You, no, it be, because like when you 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 can go back and play Banjo Kazooie right now on on your Switch, obviously with the N64 expansion thing, and you'll realize how fun some of the forms are that Banjo Kazooie can take. Like just being the ant and being able to crawl up the steep the surfaces surfaces. Everything is like fun and feels good. And this game has you transform into things that are completely useless. Like it always feels like it's like, like a box it's, box. The the transformations are more like a locked door, like transforms to to progress, and it it's just it, it it has it has its moments, and it 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 looks nice and all of that, and like if this had more diligence and uh, you know could have been in the oven longer, it it could have been an, a a really fun game, I think, and so the whole story with Naka being upset about this, and I, I don't think we mentioned it, but yeah, Naka obviously worked Sonic the Hedgehog and and Knights yeah. and all all these games that we we still love today, and um. It's a little hard to understand what really went down because he he was fired before the game was completed. And I think his complaints about not being able to engage with fans were more rooted in the fact that he had filed a lawsuit. And so when you're when you're in an active litigation like that, you can't really interact. And then there's some other stuff um, going on where it, it, it's really tough, you know, as an as an bystander or, or you know looking looking in from the outside to figure out what went on you obviously cannot figure out who's at fault or who's wrong or right and maybe nobody's wrong or right but what we do know is that the end product is not something that you should be playing i'll never right. forget uh in tom mark's review for this game he makes mention of the box transformation and how it just it, all it says is like you transform into a box <laughs> when it feels like it <laughs> it's, and the reason it's, it does that is because it, it ties all these transformations, I believe, to just one button. So you can only like you only have one button to do one thing with every with every transformation. And so it does weird things like that where like it'll just have a you know random transformation that happens you know at a random time. And that's that's the kind of thing that you know the reason why Balan wonderful wonder world you know failed i don't think it, it, it is entirely uh you, you can't put the entire blame on the fact that it was unfinished or that it was buggy like there were some serious design problems with this game yeah. i think from the outset yep. like yep. i only yeah. played the demo and like i could i could tell right away that this game was was looking rough so you know <laughs> i i'm not I, I, I'm not entirely sympathetic to uh, to Yuji Naka, unfortunately. He had an excuse kind of within a thread, which I found illuminating. He said, with Sonic the Hedgehog, we worked up until the very last moment. And we came up with the notion of you would not die as long as you had at least one ring, like very at the very end of development. So I think he was implying that the actual design of the game was still sort of a work in progress and that he felt that if he had been given more time and the ability to work really, really hard, um, i.e. maybe crunch, I don't know, um, yeah. that maybe the design problems would not have been so acute. I, I think I, I also read that and I thought it was funny that he was using like an example from a game like 20 years ago. Yeah. And like, you know, development for games has changed a lot since then. I don't know if, if uh, the fixes that would have come to Bow in Wonderworld that he was thinking of are quite quite as easy to, to implement. Yeah. Either way, uh, Square, 
No, I was going to say, Good. sometimes you get insight into, you know, the, the uglier sides of game development, like being creative and, and working on something for a long time. It's never all, you know, seashells and balloons, right? There are there are tough times, there, there are tough decisions where people don't agree. You need to meet a deadline in order to come out at a certain time and align with marketing. So you have to cut features that may be dear to the producers. Happens all the time. We just don't hear about it very often. You certainly don't hear about it very often from Japanese developers. And so, like Kat said, it's very unusual to hear him speak out. He obviously wants it covered. He wants his story known. He translated his posts into English, which is a clear indication that he's banking on coverage of the situation. But uh, it'd be interesting to to find out a little bit more and hear from from other people in the project. Well, that's what I was wondering. Has Square Enix issued any statement uh, to follow we, this up? Uh, we sent a, a request for comment to Square Enix, but as of the recording of this podcast, I have not heard back from them, probably because they have to actually go to Japan and be like, okay, what's the official response here? <laughs> mm -hmm. And they will say, we think Square Enix is good, and we do <laughs> care about games and fans. That is the official position. Yeah. Yuji Naka, you will never work in this town again. And the thing that I found interesting about Yuji Naka is back in the early 90s, he actually, when he was making Sonic 2, came to America and worked out of the Sega of America offices mm. back in the day. So in a weird way, he's always had a little bit of friction, I think, with uh, mm. the Japanese side of things, uh, where he was given maybe more latitude here in America. Um, I don't know if that connects necessarily to Balan Wonderworld, but that's the thing that just kind of popped right into my head when I was thinking about it. Um, I think the translation I read wasn't entirely accurate, but wasn't one of his concerns with uh, not being able to comment was people were just like calling him a bag of crap for his terrible game or just like criticizing him. I didn't see anything like game... uh, to that effect. Um, oh, okay. But I, I do think that he was like pretty frustrated about being blamed for it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's too bad because I do think it, it looks like it could have been the start of something. Like I think it would have mm -hmm. had this game pulled through or pulled it off what it was originally designed to do you know i think there, there'd be a little community around it because it's very colorful it's pretty creative uh from a character standpoint it just is a sucky game that that mm. sucks real bad yeah there are balan wonderworld stands out there Who are, are there actually i'm sure we'll hear oh about yeah them. the hello, insert hello, credit podcast numbers. called it one of the best games of the year <laughs> the really? musical numbers that they have yes. at the end of every level are super charming oh okay I mean, I'm sure there's like little nuggets of of inspiration in there that did make it through. But you know, there's that uh, that Bubsy 3D guy on YouTube who just like really loves that game, and he's the only one. So it's like I've said before. My friend who worked at a studio told him or told me his boss said, you know, the worst game that we have is actually somebody's favorite game. So I guess I shouldn't be surprised that there are Balan Wonderworld stands out if there. I've, but... If I've learned anything from the Star Wars prequels and the Snyderverse. Oh. Is that eventually everything that people once regarded as bad will have its defenders yelled to the point that everybody will just decide that they're good now? Yeah. Oh man, I made it's true. A mistake it's the natural time. cycle. Yeah. So I, please look I've... forward to in ten years, Balan Wonderworld being called <laughs> a lost classic that nobody understood when it first came out. Oh, I've already written the headline. It's good. Ellipses. Actually, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's probably one of those games that uh you want to buy now and then hold on to because it'll be worth money someday but i'll get i'm going to get into that sort of thing later on but any last thoughts about uh balan wonderworld and in this lawsuit as it unfolds uh, good luck yuji naka yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. good luck yeah i feel i feel like that was the nuclear option right there 
but uh-huh that's all right mm-hmm. oh, okay um the sonic 2 i mean yujinaka gets to have sonic 2 forever and always so that's this year i decided i actually wanted to like follow hockey a little bit more than just the most casual of casuals so i subscribed to a service that streams all of the nhl to your television uh the boston bruins home opener i went to watch it and boom blackout restrictions apply which i thought was kind of ridiculous because i'm still 200 miles away from boston but whatever had i had nordvpn that wouldn't have been a problem i would have just gone in changed my settings to another geographic area and boom i could have been watching all the boston bruins home games like it was nothing at all So now I have NordVPN and I can watch the home games of my local teams streaming without being frustrated. It's the same thing with like Netflix. It has all these complicated licensing rules, which from one country to another don't really make sense. So something you could watch on South Korean Netflix, you won't be able to watch on the United States Netflix unless NordVPN, boom, switch to South Korea and you're watching whatever Korean drama that you want I highly recommend you do that. I haven't done it myself, but people seem to enjoy them. And who am I to try to bring down people's enjoyment? Uh, NordVPN, more than just entertainment and sports availability, it's going to protect you, especially when you're traveling, when you're using public Wi-Fi. People are trying to get in there. They're creeping on you. Bad actors, people trying to steal your password, your bank account details. Who knows what the government's doing these days? I can't keep track. They're all over the damn place. NordVPN... It's going to protect you. It's going to protect up to six devices because I know you have at least that many devices in front of you right now that can hook up to the internet. Boom. Fastest VPN in the world. You're not going to get any buffering. You're not going to get any lagging. Uh, It's going to stop your ISP from bandwidth throttling, which they do. That's kind of sneaky, especially how much you're paying those guys. There's threat protection to protect you from viruses and malicious malware and whatever else. Uh, Um unsavory actors are out there. If you want to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. That's nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. Victor Charlie. Uh, That link is also going to give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There is no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nice of them, and I appreciate that. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. That's good. But we brought Mitchell on here because Mitchell is the only person at IGN who doesn't have the day off who has also played Nintendo Switch Sports. Colin Stevens, uh, unfortunately, was unable to be on the show, like I said, off today. Reviewed it, gave it a seven. Here's Colin's verdict. Nintendo Switch Sports, like Wii Sports and Wii Sports Resort before it, is best played as a party game broken out for any gathering that needs a quick injection of goofy active fun while it's sparse mixture of old and new sports varies in quality switch sports largely sticks the landing on what made its predecessors memorable intuitive motion controls the ability to effortlessly get a group of people up and moving and some killer menu music that's liable to get stuck in your head all day which aside here i'm very excited about that uh just don't expect to spend a whole lot of time with it before the novelty wears off uh 
Mitchell, can you speak to the novelty and has it worn off for you yet? Uh, so quick note, <laughs> uh, even though I am the, the only person on this panel, apparently that has played it, uh, I, I probably it only played it like about an hour and a half, maybe two hours going through all the games and uh, checking them all out. Um, so in that time, no, it hasn't really worn off. I'm still, I'm still having a good time with it. I really want to play it with, uh, with a party. Um, but you know, even going through it solo, you know, it, I, I'm, I'm the kind of person that, for me, Wii Sports growing up was like a defining game. Like that was yeah. a game that, you know, brought together families that, you know, I'd bring out when I would have like Passover with, with you know, a bunch of families coming together and we'd all just, you know, get in front of like the the TV and pass pass a controller around to, to play tennis with four players. Um, so like no other game has really provided that kind of, uh, group experience and like j just the the kind of experience that you can just give anyone a controller and have them you know be able to pick up on what's going on and even if they're not gonna you know be super good at it they can have a good time with it um right and so you know nintendo switch sports i think is a is a good successor to that to that kind of game um in a way that you know Maybe I, I actually didn't really play much of Wii Sports Resort, so I can't really say how good that game was for it. Well, to be um, fair, it was on Wii U, so that's that's played. true. Yeah. Oh. Uh, but we love the Wii U. I know we, we did. Yeah, There's a whole PAX East so panel about it. Yeah, that'll be on the feed in a couple weeks, but. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, you know, I think the the selection of games are are pretty good. The the volleyball is like the only one that I think requires a little more tutorializing than uh than maybe you would want in a in a party situation oh, especially yeah. if people don't know the general rules of volleyball um but yeah you know, <laughs> I, I don't I, I know you're supposed to get the ball over the net that's all i know <laughs> but Terrible. you know it's like the whole thing of like okay first you got a bump then you got a set then you got a spike so there's yeah. like a three almost like a three tier uh you know three three rounds to every turn almost in in going back and forth in in volleyball um so that's there's you know that's it's it's a it's a lot for for people to i think just immediately pick up on uh but then you yeah. know you got you got uh badminton you got tennis those are all you know very easily understandable you got bowling i think bowling is pretty much mostly oh, exactly the same as it was in in wii sports but you know i that's think that's all i wanted works. to hear yeah weeks for i mean bowling and wii sports is like one of the one of the best uh implementations of a sport in a video game yeah for sure so yeah, yeah. yeah i i'm uh, really enjoying my time with it so far i really want to play it with other people um i'm a little bummed that uh, nintendo sent this out for review and didn't have online working mm. uh if only if only for the the sword fighting i think the sword fighting would have been really fun to play online because it it almost has like that nidhogg style of appeal where it's a very simple um sword fighting game that you play in a one-on-one -on -one capacity it's kind of heavily influenced in like mind games and stuff like that okay. so uh so yeah i'm uh i'm enjoying it so far i'm so I'm curious looking forward to a future where all like duels are solved online we sport or switch sports sword fighting but yeah cat you famously kinda, have played this i was gonna say we already kind of had that with smash brothers yeah. oh that is true but maybe yeah, this a little more classic so uh cat <laughs> you have famously played this um 
we've all seen the amazing video. Uh, what do you think? You after the review, are you excited still? Or I mean, it seems like Colin really echoed my kind of takeaways from uh, my time with Nintendo Switch Sports. I think it's a really fun game. I could totally see having a fun evening with some friends playing it. I have a hard time imagining actually wanting to play this game online, but also I know that there are hardcore Wii Sports stands out there who will totally mm -hmm. do that. And I think it might uh, expand the the lifespan of uh, Nintendo Switch Sports a little bit as a result. But I also think that, yeah, I don't know. This is kind of a curiosity. It's fun. I'm really glad that Nintendo is kind of tapping into that part of its history and bringing this game back. But it's difficult for me to imagine paying close to full price uh, for a game like this. So mm. yeah, fun curiosity, but I think it's gonna kind of come and go in my opinion. Do, do y'all think that it has a chance to stick around and like actually have a real audience? I'm so curious about that. I was gonna say, it's like, is is Wii Sports one of those games that lots of people our age remember at a moment in time that is not to be repeated? Or is there is there something here that can be done again? For example, Nintendo didn't go back to Wii Fit after, you know, obviously with the Wii U it did and it didn't quite live up to the original, but like uh, in sales. We didn't go back to having a scale in our living room and playing that way. Instead, they did Ring Fit, right? They adapted it towards something new and fresh. And obviously, that really worked. This is very, very close to what we played all those years ago, minus the the nunchuck, the physical connection and all of that. Like, I, th I think things are a little slicker and easier. You've got online play, more modes and all of that. But I'm really curious to see how, how people take to this. Is there an audience of people who have never played Wii Sports for whom this is really... Is there the same kind of epiphany of bowling and noticing how cool the control is and how it feels or are people saying this is like when i was a kid i used to watch western movies with my dad and like that moment will never come back right yeah i've i've mentioned it before but i know people who for whom the wii was only a wii sports machine they had almost I literally no idea that there were other games on it to play. And if they did, they had absolutely no interest. Seth, that I being said, my parents. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's people like our parents' age that just bought the Wii because they saw, I don't even know where they saw it. It was probably on like Ellen or something or the Today Show. They saw it used and they went out and they bought it and they just played bowling, tennis, golf, and probably that's it and didn't touch it. And I'm, I don't see this one catching on in the same way that was just one of those amazing things that was i think a product of its time however i do think that this will be very successful and i think a lot of that success is going to be because i almost guarantee that this will be one of the black friday bundles they're going to just throw this into the nintendo switch going forward and then you know and then they will put it on ellen DeGeneres, and they will put it on the today show and all these people who are looking at their who might still be using their original wii to play wii sports are gonna dust off you know dust it off right before they throw it away to upgrade to switch sports so i don't know i think i think it has has got legs i will yeah, that's say that's the trick isn't it seth uh go ahead pair 
No, it has leg straps too. Uh, it, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll get to play it. Uh, what is today? Thursday. We're recording this on Thursday. I'll, I'll get to play it tomorrow on Friday, yep. and I'll know more next week. But yeah, there's there's also, you know, some of the Wii games were almost an anachronism in that they really relied on big warehouse sales, and it was the people picked up physical editions of these things. And we, we play, of course, too. Uh, in Wii Sports case, it was a pack-in, right? And and you you, mm-hmm. you bought the you bought the machine and, and got it. And I, I I actually think like the retail package for the leg strap could have some of that same appeal where, where people will find it at a target and go, oh my God, this is cool. Fitness and, you know, like there's this kind of attraction to a physical product at a time when most sales are in the digital realm. Yeah. yeah and and yeah. I will say I, I, uh, I have a friend who, you know, I was inviting to, to come over and play Wii Sports uh, or Nintendo uh, Sports Sorry, it's okay. Nintendo I do the Switch same sports. thing. <laughs> Nintendo Switch sports. sports. Come on. <laughs> and he re- he responded to me saying like, "Oh my god, this is my most anticipated game of the year." There you go. So like, I, I don't th- I don't think it can be like really under undersold like how much we sports has meant to like certain people growing up. Like we all have memories tied to this game that we all like really want to relive. Whether or not this game actually will, you know be a substitute for or, or will bring back those same memories i think is, is still something to be seen but there certainly is an audience that is like super into into these games and uh i think man you know obviously they couldn't they couldn't have ever predicted the the way of the world but this would have been what like such an amazing game to have during the the pandemic when you know you're oh, stuck yeah. in the house with your your family and uh it would it would have just been a really cool game to have at, during that time Wii Sports is the avatar of video games because, like, later this year we'll find out if Avatar was a fluke or something that people will flock back to and 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 watch the new James Cameron movie again. We'll, we'll, I'm really uh, curious. I think both are going to make money. I think <laughs> uh, the difference is that Wii Sports was good. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah Avatar right. was good. It was just kind no, of. No, was it? It was weird. <laughs> it was uh, Sigourney Weaver James Alien. Yeah, I couldn't watch it after. Like it was the the uncanny valley of seeing Sigourney Weaver in a blue alien cat CGI thing. It something it broke something in my brain. I was like, I can't. There's like four more hours of this, and I'm not going to watch it. Wow, that's a that's yeah. a stand. Don't tell Max. He loves it and will be mad at me. And I <laughs> yep. like Max a lot, but he calls it Avatar. <laughs> no, no, he <laughs> Neon Genesis <does>. Avatar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, oh, one thing that uh, really sticks out for me about Switch Sports, and Colin mentions this in the review, but he just briefly touches on it. No 100-pin bowling. You know, Come on now. But they they do have like those special those special courses for games, it's yeah, almost like mini. mini golf, but with bowling, where there's like you know islands that you have to you know you, there's like a bridge you have to get on. There's like sweeping, um, you know. N- Things that you would find almost like Platforms in Fall Guys. And thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I, and like you have to be able to curve the ball around it. It's actually really fun. Um, okay. So, yeah, there's no 100-pin bowling, but I actually really like what they did with the special courses in uh, in bowling this time around. I was actually just playing it. I don't know if you could see. Yeah. Uh, 
there this, it is. Yeah, if you're watching on the video. Yeah, yeah, there. <laughs> if this game blows up, though, don't you think it'll form kind of a center for Nintendo's Nintendo online strategy to offer stuff like 100 pin bowling oh, as as download packs for members? Like, I, I think they're waiting to see if lightning can strike twice, and then you know we're, we're already getting a soccer mode as a downloadable, right? Um, we're getting yeah. golf. Yep, golf. Yeah, so maybe it'll continue to be part of that. I hope so. Kat, you're going to say something? Oh, I was going to say that I think it's a really good point that if Nintendo Switch Sports has a chance to blow up, it'll be because it gets bundled during Black Friday or something. Because the reason that the original Wii Sports blew up back in the day was that Nintendo decided to bundle, Nintendo, Nintendo of America specifically decided mm -hmm. to bundle Wii Port Sports. Yes. Yeah. And as a result, it people just like oh we sports we perfect i'll buy it and it blew up everywhere as a result yep, yeah so yeah i think bundling it is is the trick here yeah i i mean based on just like the ign commerce data i can say that nintendo switch sports uh has been extremely popular oh wow from a pre-order standpoint like the most popular pre-order and, and the fact that it's 39 or 49.99 is certainly helping but uh, yeah, the the probably the biggest game games to pre-order for the IGN audience so far this year have wow. been Nintendo Switch Sports by a long shot, followed by uh, the Cowabunga Collection. And All other right. than that, yeah. <laughs> so I think Nintendo Switch Sports is going to is going to do extremely well, especially once you know people outside of the gaming sphere start to see it. They get that Ellen placement, forget about. It. I don't know. Do people is Ellen even on the air anymore? I know she had some controversy, but uh, something that people watch now on the air. What is that? On the you know like what uh, is they television? have these said like antennas. streaming, but without wires. It's streaming light yeah. from one tower to another oh, wow. in your home. Yeah, sounds futuristic. It's, uh, it's it, they call them aerials because yeah. What what if what if they what if they come up with a system where all the shows are put in like a linear fashion, and if you want to see one, you have to wait for it to be the time of that show. Whoa, that's nonsense. And you use the connect to that's change a, the channel. That's much yeah. better than finding it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Does anyone have any more to add on Nintendo Switch Sports? Maybe it'll blow up after all. It'll blow up. It, it, it could be very big. All right. Nintendo Switch Online, which we touched on briefly as possibly something that could help spread the good word of Nintendo Switch Sports. Just added, actually, uh, I think it was on Friday during or after, excuse me, after we finished recording, added three new Genesis games to the Nintendo Switch Online expansion. And they are very good games we have sonic spinball shining force 2 and space harrier 2 and i am very excited for all three of these because i am familiar with them but other than space Air harrier 2 i never played shining force 2 or sonic Spinball. oh wow okay yeah i'm very excited is there anyone cat are you a shining force person i know you're you know famous uh jrpg enthusiast so when I was a, a tender of a tender age, I did not own a Sega Genesis. So it was difficult for me to play Shining Force. However, there is a large collection of mega Shining Force stands who will mm -hmm. insist that Shining Force has always been better 
than Fire Emblem in particular. Um, my understanding is Scoff. that Shining Force 2 <laughs> is somewhat different from the original Shining Force. I believe it is more open-ended in particular in the way that it handles its exploration and such. But it is a lovely looking game. It is a great tactics game. And the fact that it's now available on Sega Genesis Collection is really amazing because I know so many people who talk incredibly fondly about Shining Force 1 and 2. And just look at this B-roll. It's yeah. really pretty. You know, yeah. it's a great looking 16-bit game. Oof. Um, I'm very excited, even though I don't really like tactics game. I know that one of my best <gasps> friends like speaks yes. <laughs> speaks extremely highly like he loves the shining force series and he's also not really a tactics guy so i might what am i talking about the last game that i beat was fantasy star on the nintendo switch online service so, or no excuse me it was the sega genesis or sega whatever it was not on the it was just an old game okay mitchell do you have any love for these games yeah, actually, uh, Sonic Spinball was a game that uh, I had growing up. Uh, I actually did have a Genesis. I have my pinned tweet on my Twitter is the moment I got my Sega Genesis uh, for, for Hanukkah one year. Um, and it's funny, I always have fought, like, my memory tells me that I liked S Sonic Spinball. And uh, I actually, you know, going back and playing it, I, I am having fun, but I also realized I don't think I ever got past the first stage. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I just didn't qu quite comprehend the 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 object of, of the game. Because you know, usually a pinball game, your goal is to just, you know, get as many points as you can. But with Sonic Spinball, it's actually you have to collect a certain number of emeralds and you get launched up to, to fight a boss and then you get moved on to the next stage and there's no there's no like continues so once you mm -hmm. once you lose all your lives you go back to the very first stage um fortunately with like save states in, this game, in uh <laughs> in the switch online uh program you know you're able to just use a safe state and continue going from there but uh but yeah i i think sonic spinball is pretty fun uh awesome. you know it's not quite as good as Pokemon Pinball, but uh, you know, it's it's still a good time. I remember when yeah. it came out, and like uh, the, just the way Sonic moves in his game, it felt natural that uh, it, and and they were obviously pinball inspired levels in the in the Sonic main games. It just felt like a natural extension to actually put him in a proper pinball game with the bumpers and all of that. Um, yeah. I, I remember playing it when it when it came out, and I really enjoyed it. And you know, the the tables were very very creative. Now it is less impressive nowadays because we've seen this done so many times now right including you just brought up pokemon with characters like pokemon and mario and all of that and obviously uh we've seen stern machines being replicated online uh all of that so it isn't it isn't as unique but it's still a really good game and uh you know the other two as well um i am really looking forward to playing shining force again i'm not that big of a harrier fan outside of always Aww. being i was always taken oh, with the graphics when i saw it in our arcades yeah. and and then i played it i'm like it never felt as good and like once i played polygonal games like star fox or even you know sega's own uh, uh stuff like virtual racing i kind of didn't look back on the old kind of like uh 3d pseudo 3d sprite based games um yeah. so space area 2 is decent i'm just not that big of a fan i'm gonna be it's honest fun. uh space harrier is a game that i uh play in the arcade of a yakuza game and almost immediately regret the yen that I spend on it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. 
I like the yeah, I like I, it better than the Mode Seven from the Super Nintendo. I mean, it's not that different ultimately, but uh, for some reason, the checkerboard effect work just works more for me with Space Area yeah. Two. It had a look for sure. Yeah, it's different. very aesthetic. It's very vaporwave. Yep. That's why I like it a lot. But so why the Genesis, the Genesis was great ultimately? It was a very aesthetic machine. Yep. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Even uh, especially the Mega Drive box and packaging. Of course, so I'm. You know what? I'm not going to talk about the graphic design of the Japanese console boxes and how superior they were to the uh, North American counterparts because we only have like 72 minutes. But I will talk about Kirby turning 30 years old. Kirby's Dreamland launched April 27th, 1992. Wow. That is bananas. That is a really late uh, NES game. By then, you know, the Super Nintendo had been out for six months at that point. So it was kind of unusual that they put out one of the greatest NES games of all time. But it is 30 years old. We've talked uh, a lot about Kirby and how wonderful and delightful Kirby is. But my question to the panel is, are we going to get a Game & Watch? <laughs> I don't think so. No? Like, I really, Nintendo sucks at anniversaries. We've talked about this before. Like, yeah. um, you know, the 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 kind of sometimes they don't even acknowledge it for for some of their franchises. But like, they have there there are so many games in Kirby's back catalog. It wouldn't have been that difficult for them to do like a little special digital package release or something. But like, the best we ever get is like a game going on sale occasionally a nice special edition of something right like we saw with fire emblem but uh no i don't i i, I think the big kirby game that we just got and all love is uh is, is probably uh they're thinking that's enough mm -hmm. which is that great but heart. it's not that it's not that nostalgia play of you know like just even seeing rainbow curse and some of the games here the the footage i was like oh man i want to play that again wasn't there a nice collection for the 20th anniversary back in like 2012? That's yeah, there was on Wii, and I have yeah. it actually. Yep. You just it was actually me. better than the Mario anniversary, See? which is still one of the most disgraceful things I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I. That's another thing I could talk at great length about. They, I mean, they just Let's gave throw us the Mario All Stars ROM onto a disc and sell it to everybody in a nice box. Oh, they man. had the assets at that time to redo those games in the new Super Mario Brothers style. Like they could have redone those games. Oh, I'm glad they didn't. That would have sucked. <laughs> what? <laughs> I hate the new Agreed. Super Mario Brothers style. Agree to disagree, then I guess. Really? I you like that 2.5D look? Mm. Yeah, I love the, no. the, the oh, God. DS one, especially. That one really uh, got to Those like games just have no character to them whatsoever. Oh. And they have some of the worst soundtracks of oh. any of the Mario games. <laughs> Man, you Hot got Cat-It. You got Cat-Take right <laughs> it here. Cat-Take. It wasn't even supposed to be a Cat-Take. And there it was. That was a spontaneous Cat-Take. You, you got like Cat-Taken. <laughs> That I was is Kirby right now. Just inhaled the firepower up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I just inhaled the uh, the sadness of it all. But all right, that's fine. We're not gonna get we're not gonna get any acknowledgement that Kirby has been around for thirty years. We're not gonna get a game and watch, I suppose. But I'm not gonna stop dreaming. Look, Kirby in the Forgotten Land rules. I've told yep, you multiple so times. Good. It's such a wonderful game. I can't think of Amazing. a better tribute to this series than to finally get a 3D Fair game point. that is awesome. Fair point. Okay. That's good enough then, I suppose. That's what we're going to have to, to live with then. Fine. I accept it. And uh, we'll move on to some sad news. 
Miyamoto himself went on Twitter. They gave him the uh, the, the login Keys. information for Nintendo of America. <laughs> apparently, he logged in, wrote uh, a, a heartfelt message apologizing, but Mario, the Super Mario movie, has been delayed to 2023. It's going to release the same day as Breath of the Wild 2. That's not really true, but yeah, the Mario movie is delayed, and that was all that we know about it. We don't know why. I have probably. Probably they wanted to coincide with the release of a new Mario game, and it wasn't ready. Oh. And I've so... heard that Universal's just moving around its uh, its release schedule is what it kind of comes down to. Oh, it's okay. just kind of shifting things around. It might have literally nothing to do totally. with Nintendo itself. I I do think it's funny that when Miyamoto made that announcement, Miyamoto immediately started trending on Twitter because of just kind of the, the funny nature of the tweet where he starts very formally, this is Miyamoto. Miyamoto this. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and I think he referred to Chris-san. And I, yeah. I think a lot of people assumed so immediately cool. that it was Chris Pratt, but it was somebody else, I guess. So oh my God. Uh, the tweet itself immediately became kind of a copy pasta for a lot of people. Yeah. Were kind of messing around with it. It, it was a good tweet. The, I, mean, <laughs> I actually the... saw the... Go ahead, Pear. Though now the reason for the tweet and assigning it to Miyamoto is to make sure, reinforce every time that this is a Nintendo-backed, Nintendo-endorsed, Nintendo-loved project that they're that they're very passionate about and confident in, right? Like because of I honestly think Nintendo is is thinking too many people remember the original Mario Brothers movie because like obviously no kids ever watched it except for in like meme videos. Um but uh, uh, I, I, I love that they keep doing that. Like the reminders, they're reinforcing the message. Hey, we're passionate about this thing. This thing is good. Yeah. When does the uh, theme park in Universal Studios open? Ne next year in the US, yeah. yeah. Next year, yeah. 2023. Yeah. The, mm. the one in outside <laughs> Osaka is open. Outside of Orlando. I uh, think we should do an NVC field trip. But that's just i'm into it it's just me let's go yeah yeah let's do it but i think that maybe they want to coincide with that but by having miyamoto quote unquote tweeted out i immediately thought oh that just means it's bad and they have to develop like redevelop it more no that is I mean, that Miyamoto's is smart been, marketing okay miyamoto's been one of the public faces with this because he also introduced it when they first revealed the, the cast and famously announced that chris pratt would be playing mario he was the one to introduce it then during the Nintendo Direct because mm -hmm. obviously oh, yeah, we associate right. Mario Brothers with Shigeru Miyamoto, even though Miyamoto's kind of semi-retirement semi is like an executive at this point. But yeah. he, uh, he's he been kind of a pitch man for the, for the movies, so I guess it makes sense to have him being the person it's, tweeting it out. It's Mario's daddy. <laughs> yeah, that oh. is true. Gotta bring daddy out oh. for the new child. Yeah. Also, there's that famous Miyamoto quote. A, a rushed movie is is always bad, <laughs> but a delayed yep. movie is eventually good. That is video also games true. were a mistake. Shigeru Miyamoto. <laughs> yes. Yep. I mean, yeah, Miyamoto is probably the most recognizable face at Nintendo now by a long shot. Mm -hmm. Like, I think mm -hmm. people outside of gaming know who Miyamoto. So it makes sense. I just I love that. We all just collectively like, oh, Mr. Miyamoto is tweeting now for Nintendo of America. Now, did he tweet for Nintendo of Europe as well? Probably. 
It was fun. Yeah. I, th- I when I first How saw the tweet. How many languages does I, Mr. Miyamoto yeah, speak? He's, he's a polyglot. But no, I, I <laughs> when I first saw the tweet, I thought it was fake. You know, there are all these fake Nintendo accounts that always have like oh, yeah. one letter off or a one mm. instead of an I, and you're like, you see a tweet about some delay, and you're like, what? And then you're like, oh, you again, right? I first thought it was one of those, and then I was like, is this really Nintendo? And yep, yeah. yeah. I was confused because I saw the uh, the reaction tweets like the the parody tweets before i saw the actual oh, tweets. I, I had okay. no idea why everyone yeah. was like this is miyamoto i was like what mm-hmm. what is happening now so mm-hmm. there it is 2023 for your super mario brothers movie starring chris pratt as mario did they cast somebody else for super mario you'll have to watch to find out no one will know a chris pratt twice as tall only after he eats a mushroom though oh so we had the uh impromptu cat take thank you for that cat the spontaneous cat take since there was no cat take planned we are doing a seth's soapbox which i haven't Mm. done in a long time so i'm going to talk about loving your classic consoles now recently i was at pax east and uh if you were unaware pax east in addition to seeing new games and indie games and board games on the edges you they have vendors that sell used games classic games and the prices are not bad at all in fact they're comparable to what you would probably find uh if you went and bought these games on ebay the difference being you can just walk right home with them uh so i bought Mega Man x for the super nes which rules and is one of the greatest games of all time i paid 40 dollars for it uh, i came home started playing it loving it on my crt and then i found looking around my office i found a nintendo entertainment system that i forgot that i had Mm. And it was pretty beat up. It was dusty and stained and it's a little bit yellowed. And so what I did was I uh, I grabbed a screwdriver and some contact cleaner and a toothbrush and I took it apart completely and cleaned it all out. I actually washed the plastic parts in the sink and let them dry before I reassembled it. I listened to some cool jazz on my uh stereo system it was one of the most relaxing ways that i've spent an hour and i don't even remember how long and it made me really it just it felt like the ultimate like dad thing that i was doing and i'm right now i am going to suggest that everyone get a classic console and a crt tv and don't if it doesn't work that's fine uh if it's a little dirty that's fine go online find some tutorials buy the correct tools on amazon Take them apart, clean them, and give them some love. Refurbish them a little bit. Bring them back from the edge. You can get these old consoles for not a whole lot of money. There's a lot of NESs. There's a lot of Super NESs around. Nintendo 64 price has gone up a little bit because there's a a bubble because all those kids are now old enough to have money to spend on foolish things. But it is such a satisfying way to spend your time. And then at the end, you have this clean, classic console that plugs right in, works great, and you can have all the fun that you had when you were a kid. For example, Mega Man X is extremely hard, and I haven't played it without save states or rewinds in a very, very long time. It turns out I suck at video games. I am not a Mitchell, mm-hmm. who is the one of the greatest game players of all time. <laughs> Mitchell's the king. That being said, oh my God. <laughs> uh, I went online and asked for recommendations for the best JRPGs for Super NES under $50, and I got some great uh suggestions i bought illusion of gaia for i think 30 dollars. it's a little bit beat up but if you are into classic gaming you can get some amazing games 
for under $50. The really expensive games are either the ones that were super, super popular, you know, like your, your Chrono Triggers, uh, your Final Fantasy VI, or the ones that were real, real bad and are super rare now because they were so horrible. But there's this huge, in the bell curve, that whole middle section is just full of classic gaming goodness. And in fact, as soon as this show is over, I'm going to go on eBay and order Faxanadu for the NES because wow. I love that game a whole lot and it doesn't cost a lot of money so there you go that is seth's soapbox give your classic consoles some love it is worth it also crts are becoming harder and harder to find if you see one grab it if it's on the side of the street that says free take it home with you because yeah. you cannot find these anymore and they're starting to show up on facebook marketplace for prices that are absolutely stupid 50 100 dollars for a crt television the sony so trinitron take it the, the Sony, Sony Trinitrons, Trinitrons will be very expensive in just a few years because they were the last greats. Yeah, yeah. I, I hundreds of dollars. I think I've t told this story, but I kick myself all the time because right before the pandemic, I went to the Salvation Army in Bangor, Maine. Their electronics wall was nothing but Sony Wegas and Sony Trinitrons, wow. and I thought, oh, I'll just come back because this mm. is Gold unbelievable mine. how many they have. When I went back after, you know, the pandemic restrictions had lifted, they're like, well, we don't take those anymore. Uh -huh. We threw them all away. We don't even, wow. we, we tell people to just take them to the recycling center and oh. it yeah. breaks my heart. Unbelievable. So the well, fact that I was able to find this TV VCR combo at a Salvation Army for $5, I'm, I'm holding on to it. Someone, some smart TV maker, maybe someday will create a niche television that has the flat screen and everything, but has classic inputs and processing inside that restores that kind of CRT look. Like somebody's gonna somebody's gonna do it and gamers are gonna love it. I was actually surprised, Seth, that you didn't use hydrogen peroxide to clean your your consoles because like I if have you go it. yeah, if you go see tutorials online, that it can bring a yellow Dreamcast back from its undead self to white. Right. I'm a little bit scared to do that because I've also seen that it can make the plastic really brittle. Mm. And also, if you don't get it just right, and when you put the saran wrap on there, if it's not completely smooth, if there's any bubbles, those bubbles will sort of impose themselves on the plastic mm -hmm. and you'll never get it. And it actually look worse. But my Nintendo's only a little yellow, okay. so I'm not too worried about it. My Dreamcast is is sparkling like it came out of the like it just came out of the box. So you should I'm do very a video excited. series. Do a video series. I am going to. I was, yes. I was thinking about it because I was looking and, at my Nintendo 64. I'm like, this is a little dirty. And I'm like, rub my hands and, together. I'm like, oh, baby. And then show, maybe show some solutions on how to hook up uh, classic consoles to modern TVs. And, you know, not not all of them have RC uh, uh, plugs. Some of them have oh, the old RF ones. And, yeah. Uh -huh. I've pitched. I Yeah, I'm, I would like to do what? that. But in the meantime, the, uh, uh, oh, my God, I'm forgetting the name of the. YouTube, my life in gaming has an amazing series about rgb and uh crt and just nice. like a thousand different ways to get the graphics that you specifically want out of your classic console so there it is seth's soapbox love your classic consoles give him a kiss i'm gonna give this one a kiss right now oh. <laughs> look at it somebody Thank turned that you. into a gif <laughs> <laughs> what is this what have you hiding in <sighs> yeah that's right Ah, Amazing. Wow. wow. It started Doo -doo -doo. right up, but I don't have a controller, so I don't know if the batteries are, are any good anymore. I'm going to say they probably aren't, but anyway, let us go on to what we have been playing. Pear, what have you been playing there in Los Angeles? 
Oh my God, not in Los Angeles, but back home in the San Franciscis. Uh, I had been playing uh, a few indie games on the Nintendo Switch. One is uh, Dungeons of Dreadrock, which is a bit under the radar. The um, the creator was made by one, uh, well, a couple of people worked on it, but one principal uh, designer and programmer uh, from Germany who created this game. And it uh, I think it came out on, on, on mobile and, and Steam already. It's coming out on Switch in May. Um, when you look at it, you may get instant Zelda vibes, and that is not <laughs> an, that is not a surprise. He builds this game as kind of like dungeon puzzles with all without all that roguelike BS. And so it is a it is a linear puzzle game with 100 levels. You enter a room, and the room has a solution, and you have to figure it out. Uh, movement is done on a kind of uh, grid basis. So like you move from one square to the next, kind of like, uh, think of like Crypt of the Necrodancer or something like that, right? But you, you don't have to do it in a rhythm or anything. And so... Uh, things move in real time. You have to like kind of time things. You have to telefrag enemies, figure out switch combinations, find hidden levels. Uh, it's super creative. I, I finished it. Um, uh, I finished it on the airplane actually. Uh, it's oh, cool. a really really cool Zelda-like puzzle game that I think anyone who loves that franchise will. It'll have, just have a ton of fun with. You laugh at it because sometimes the solutions are very unconventional. Um, don't want to. I just don't want to share even anything about um, the kind of game mechanics. But very clever game. Small, small production, obviously. Um, it. Uh, I think it. It. The creator tells me it goes on like when it comes out on Switch, it'll be on sale for fifty percent off. So get it. Uh, get it then. It's. It's just super creative. I was completely surprised by it. Um, and it is really for people who have been saying, I want the Zelda dungeons back. It like, it'll take you back to like link, link to the past style stuff. So it's oops, all dungeons. Yeah. It's, oh, it's a okay. hundred dungeons with some stuff happening in between with some boss battles, but all unconventional, not like dodging, you know, fireballs in real time. It's all, it's more like a chess game. Uh, it's hard to describe, but if you watch that trailer, we posted the trailer, you'll, you'll get an idea. And then I started playing uh, Far Changing Tides, which, you know, we've talked about in the past is that uh, the sequel. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a 2D sailing simulator um, uh, set in, you know, the dystopian future where you have this big machine with a sail and you have to, like, raise the sail and move the sail. You have to lower it when you go in under bridges. There are obstacles. You'll bump into a dead end and then you have to figure out how to overcome that dead end by having your character jump out and do stuff but it's basically you can see it you are it's probably closest to you know some of the um side scrollers like inside you know story driven games where you explore as a character and you have to find solutions that are are not about dexterity or you know reaction time sorry mitchell it's more about you know thinking <laughs> through the puzzles um so you don't have to be amazing at it um it's really charming. I'm really digging it. And then the last one, and I'll hand it off to somebody else, is Unpacking. Uh, unpacking ah, is... Um, I'm actually playing this on my Steam Deck, and when I got my Steam Deck, I realized that most of the games that I want to play on that machine, I can already play on the Switch, and I can already play on my other console, so I'm kind of, uh, you know, I'm trying to discover some games that are exclusive to that machine. But I started playing Unpacking on it. I could have played it on Switch. They're identical. Uh, it's a very relaxing game about just unpacking boxes and putting things on shelves. Um, mm. And, you know, sometimes, like, certain items can be put in all sorts of drawers. Like, you can 
stack your underpants anywhere uh, which any way which you want um oh, yeah. but they, but certain so things I'm need to go in, a, in my games yeah like you couldn't put your laptop in your bed and call it a day the game will go ah uh -uh, that's not right you know so maybe i'll teach my kids to clean up their what room it a little better my too mom? Yeah, yeah it basically is yeah and um it has this environmental storytelling that's really interesting because as you're progressing through the life of this character you'll see the apartments change and you'll see the implied relationships being formed and breaking apart it's really good oh that's mm -hmm. that's really cool actually i didn't know that part of it yep. i've been meaning to play that so surprisingly I heartbreaking at, at yes. points. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh wow okay i i did not realize that well mitchell what have you been playing uh well first off i just want to say i also like games that are not just skill you know high reflex focused and uh you know Action, right. action sure, sure, sure. I actually, I actually uh, was kind of sold on Dungeons of Dreadrock from from hearing Pear talk about it and looking at the, yeah. the trailer. So I'm gonna check that out. Um, on the Switch, I'm really digging uh, the Stanley Parable uh, Ultra Deluxe right now. Um, it's a really surprising remaster, an asterisk on the <laughs> the remaster part because it's so much more than just a remaster and to, to talk more about you know what else goes into that is kind of going getting into spoiler territory so i don't want to you know get too deep into it but if you know tom has a fantastic review right now on the site um so you know if you have not played stanley parable first <laughs> of all like it, sh it shouldn't even be a question you need to play this game it's yeah, a game that i that. think is is almost like required playing if you if you enjoy the medium um uh and then beyond that you know i i've been on a bit of a sonic kick recently and so I made the made the the call to do like a a full playthrough of Sonic Two before I went to bed nice. a couple days ago. Wow! <laughs> so yeah, that that was something that I hadn't done in in quite a while, and it it brought to mind uh, the the main thing it brought to mind that I did not even remember is that uh, Casino Night Zone in Sonic Two. Maybe this is a hot take: the worst level in Sonic Whoa. Two. Wow. It's just, it totally kills your momentum. You're constantly doing these dumb little gimmick uh, slot machine things. Uh, you know, you're not in control half the time because it's bouncing you onto spikes or something. Uh, man, Casino Night Zone sucks. <laughs> but the rest of that game is great. Yeah, um, absolutely. And uh, yeah, what else did I put? Uh, Sonic Spinball, which we already kind of yep. talked about. Awesome. Cat, what have you been playing? Um, I made a horrible mistake the other day. So uh -oh. I'm playing my day to day by day playthrough of Persona 3 Portable. Really enjoying it, actually. Mm. So really, yeah, like I actually really like the kind of slimmed down, more simplified nature of Persona 3 Portable. And I also like that I can play as a female main character, which you can't do in Persona 4 and Persona 5. But I was playing through the Tartarus, which is this dungeon this multi-level dungeon and you're trying to get up five levels at a time and the levels are randomly generated if i recall correctly and there's random enemy placement random treasure placement and as you get up to each five levels you encounter a boss and you fight it well when you get to the up five levels you can return back to the base of it you can save you can heal your party i had forgotten about that so I just kept blitzing through. I spent like 30 minutes getting up 10 levels and I fought a boss and I died. Oh. And I had that horrible JRPG moment 
where I lost like 30 to 45 minutes uh, worth of progress because I foolishly forgot to save. So kids, remember to save before you go and oh. fight a boss. <laughs> Always. Always yeah. save. Also, I feel like it's comforting to know that even someone who's who's such a JRPG enthusiast can still make that mistake. Because I feel like yeah. it's almost a shared experience <laughs> yeah. that everyone has. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm That's so a... spoiled by autosaves and things like that yeah. these days. Like that, mm -hmm. I guess I don't even really think about it. So to have to just have it realize, like, oh, I, I lost all my progress. Oops. No, <laughs> look, I uh, say I second that. I second that. As a boss, I recommend everyone saves be before you fight us. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you say so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another thing about JRPGs, on the on the flip side of losing all your progress was, I don't know if this is a shared experience, and I'm, I'm almost certain it was, but when I was a kid and it was time for bed and I'd be playing like a Final Fantasy game or whatever, and my mom would be like, hey, it's time for bed. I'd be like, I got to find a save spot. And she'd be like, oh, okay. And then I would find one and I'd just be like, hey. Yeah, I haven't yeah. found one yet and I'd keep playing through. So my yeah, kids still do that. do that. My kids still try that all the time. And like, unfortunately, Kai plays these kind of live games where it's like, you know, like the Among Us styles where it's like a yeah. set time limit and like it's dinner time. He's like, oh, 30 minutes left. And but with every other <laughs> game, like they try it. They're like, oh, I have to find a safe spot. I'm like, BS, pause it, <laughs> leave your PC on, stop it. <laughs> That's interesting that you're. Kids try that with you. Oh yeah, they don't. They don't try that with. Because I, I use that with my wife too. I'm like, I gotta find a safe oh. spot. Yeah. It many, is very many years strange. ago. Mm -hmm. I was on a road trip, a cross country road trip, and my parents put a TV and the PlayStation in the car so I could Ooh. play games. I know I was living large. That's so awesome. I was playing Final Fantasy Anthology, which had just come out at the time, and I was playing Final Fantasy V. We got to a place where we were going to stop. And I needed to find a save point. And I was telling my dad, don't turn off the car because that would kill the power <laughs> to the system. And so I'm frantically trying to say, finally, I find a save spot. I'm saving. My dad turned off the car <gasps> oh, no. and corrupted the save. Oh, no. And I didn't More play Final Fantasy V again for years after that. A very oh. specific moment. I don't think many people have the moment where... Your I don't... dad turning off the car. Okay, I would like to know but... <laughs> if, if there's any other human being in the world, please email nvc at ign.com because I don't think that happened to anyone else, Kat. No. Because no. people don't bring TVs and consoles into cars. I know, that I was going to say, like, shout out no. to your parents because that required Jeez. them also having an inverter because there's no yeah. 110 uh, AC voltage inside of an, uh, like an automobile. You were plugged into the, uh, the cigarette lighter with the wow. car. Yeah. So this was, we, we were driving through Montana and I guess my parents were like, uh, we're driving through Montana, you know, they're, they're going to be really bored here. Just have video <sighs> games. I don't care. Yeah. Montana's, there's a lot of Montana. I've never driven through, yeah. but there's a I lot have of Montana. Across, it's funny when you drive across the country is uh, when you start in the West, you're like, all right, we're going to take two days to go across two States. And then, you know, one day to go across all of Texas. And then you start to get closer to the east. And you're like, all right, we're going to go through five states in the next four hours. <laughs> yeah. And then when you finally get to Maine, it's like you've been through all of all of New England in a, in a half an hour. It's very small here. But Aww. do you want to know what I've been playing? Yes, yes. you do, because it's yes. my turn. Uh, I have been playing, or I recently started a little game called Parkasaurus, which isn't a new game, but it just came out for Switch. And the developer actually sent me a code 
for this game. So shout out to to the developer. But uh, basically, it's a park simulator game, which I love. You know, I talked about like A Train and how much I I kind of fell into that whole building a city and building a rail system. But this one is you build a theme park with dinosaurs, and it's super super cute. And it's the usual you know simulator thing. You got to track your finances, and you got to make sure guests are happy, and you've got to make sure. You know, you have scientists to research uh, the time travel technology you need to go and get new dinosaurs for your park. And it's very, very charming. I love it a lot. Actually, the sound effects are a lot of people just going, yeah, 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 when they see your dinosaur. Um, occasionally, the dinosaurs will start smashing the fences and then get out and start eating <laughs> the guests in a very adorable way and you have to have a veterinary or excuse me you have to have a security guard on site to come and tranquilize them now when this game was originally announced like years and years and years ago i they the the the, the tranquilizer part went into a first person mode and you would have to chase the dinosaur down it became a first person shooter i don't think that's in the final game i don't think it worked out as well as they had hoped it would but uh parkasaurus is out like today and it's super fun and very cute and charming and i'm probably going to keep playing it. it's very relaxing also it's got great relaxing music and if you just mm. like to build things and you like dinosaurs like me you're going to enjoy this game very oh cool. i also wanted to mention to all the people who listen and to complain that we don't ever, that I don't ever play it. I started playing Xenoblade Chronicles 2 <gasps> again hey. to get ready. I played and I started to remember the systems. And I was like, oh, why did I stop playing this game? I actually kind of like it. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, Space Harrier 2 came out the next day. And <laughs> my, trip, oh. my trip to Boston, I played that the whole time on the train. So, oh my God. which is dumb because it's the second. I mean, as my, I said earlier, I love Space Harrier, but like on Genesis, it's not that great on arcade yeah. it's like amazing like it looks so good but yeah i i'm gonna i'm gonna get back into xenoblade chronicles i think it's it's pretty fun and i don't know why i stopped other than i think i saw something time. shiny no like we went over this a well, couple of times it's like there's always something about the timing i i enjoy those yeah. games too and i'm like oh this is really cool i'm gonna get into this but something always happens like a major game comes out or a major event in my life prevents me from from continuing it's it's cursed i tell you yeah yeah and i'm just easily distracted like i've i've been playing a lot of my super nes i tales of fantasia and mega man x and all you know old 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 games for old men like me but oh. all right let's get into question block jeremy william asks what are some non first party games that just feel at home on switch and jeremy gives for an example I can't imagine playing indies like Celeste and Undertale anywhere else. And I liked this question a lot because I feel like there are certain games that even though they're cross-platform feel at home on one system or another. Like Metal Gear Solid 5 is on everything except for Switch, but it always just felt to me like a PlayStation game. Mm -hmm. So Final Fantasy 7 too. Final Fantasy, yeah. The Final Fantasy series was, uh, well... That was a hard time for Nintendo, but, you know, <laughs> felt like for me originally, like it was supposed to be but, only on a Nintendo, but for Switch, I, I don't know if I have any examples that really? spring immediately to mind. Yeah. 
I mean, looking at existing games that are there, you know, I definitely think like the SteamWorld Dig games really feel oh, like sure. they're Nintendo extensions, right? Like that sort of stuff. And I do think a lot of Metroidvanias and obviously, you know, games like Celeste um, feel right at home. I wish games like Final Fantasy 4, 5, and 6 felt at home on Switch because in yeah. Square's wisdom, you remember Square's not about gamers. Um, in Square's hits. wisdom, they did not put the Pixel Perfect editions on the one console where I would argue they feel most at home, and the same right. with our friends at Konami, where the 2D Castlevania games would feel most at home on the awesome. Nintendo console, where the best Castlevania games in the series had, you know, come out in the past. So, um, there's yeah. a Castlevania but I digress. Collection. Yeah, there is a Castlevania. No, but it's collection. but but it's not. You know, it's not. We, it's not. Core it's not to Symphony the of the Switch. Night. Yeah, it doesn't it's not feel. Symphony of the Night or Rondo of Blood. They all feel right. like they all feel like guests on the machine, you know, and and mm. just as just as at home on others. Um, it's a good question. I I do think yeah. that the Sega games now feel very Nintendo aligned, and obviously yeah. they sell best on Nintendo consoles, or you know, have in the past. And so you know, stuff like Sonic Mania just feels like I want to play it on the Switch. Yeah, I would say now you've been talking about it. I would say like all those retro collections, even though they're cross-platform, I only buy them on Switch. So yeah. like the uh, uh, the Castlevania collection, the Contra collection, the Mana collection, uh, Saga or not Saga, but anyway, yeah, like all those any retro collection, uh, I feel like it belongs on the Switch. Cat, do you have any examples? I do actually. Ooh, it's a little game called it. Dragon Quest Eleven. Which oh, was originally a... released on good PS4, one. and it was good, um, but the soundtrack wasn't super great on the PS4. And then they released Dragon Quest XI-S, which was a super enhanced version for the Nintendo Switch. It looked almost as good as the PS4 version. It had a much better soundtrack because they turned it into a fully orchestrated score. It sounded amazing. And they added a 2D version that you could go to yes. that was like a 16-bit sort of mobile-looking yes version but dragon quest 11s promptly became the defining version of it It had extra content as well mm -hmm. and so to me dragon quest 11 on nintendo switch became like the switch became that platform and even though dragon quest yeah. 11s eventually was released on other platforms i'm like it's still the nintendo switch version like they didn't yeah. enhance it or anything so if yeah. i want to play dragon quest 11 on any platform it's definitely the switch that was That's one of the defining answer the defining efforts put into a port like they did not yeah. half-ass this thing they worked really <laughs> hard to make it make it look as good as possible i i think with that you know i forgot one is uh, you know obviously games like octopath traveler and project triangle they oh, just sure. feel like they belong on the switch even though we're seeing you know obviously the first one already came out elsewhere yep mitchell do you have any answer for that question uh i, I mean i think along the same lines as celeste hollow knight and uh you know i think pair pair mentioned earlier that like you know metrovanias kind of just naturally feel right on the switch it's yeah. that kind of thing that you know doesn't really require a huge screen still pops even on the small screen you can play it in, in your bed i actually had a i had hollow knight on pc and was like maybe five or six hours into it but once i got the switch version i was like this is my main version i started from the beginning played it all the way through and uh, didn't look back. Uh, I love being able to play that that game on the go, that game specifically on the go. And yeah, uh, I, I think in general, indie games that, that are, are long and, uh, you know, lend themselves well to being played portably 
uh, fit well on the Switch. Actually, Rogue Legacy 2, which I just reviewed on PC, is not out on the Switch. I hope it comes to the Switch because it would be absolutely perfect for it. Oh, they like money. They'll put it on Switch. I mean, that's where <laughs> yeah. all, all indie games go. So you actually reminded me. I think Axiom Verge is another one that I can't mm, imagine. That's another good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other than the Nintendo Switch. So, uh, Jeremy, I hope that answered your question. And then one more. Scott Bechtel asks, will you answer more than one question? Yes. We just answered two. <laughs> so there you go. There we go. We just that did. Was- we did it. I'm so happy. People, of course, are always a little upset, but I'm sorry. We just sometimes run out of time. I wanted to quickly mention that we did a PAX East panel last Friday, and I had promised that you'll be able to listen to it uh, immediately. Well, I was way off. I was talking completely out of my ear on that because I didn't realize that that the the audio from that has to go back to a studio and be mixed down on behalf of ReadPop, I think, who are the... who. Uh, run the whole operation and so it'll be about another week before that panel comes out but it was a lot of fun ash paulson kyle earth and megaran were on the panel with me and it was super awesome and they were amazing panelists by the way i just want to give a shout out to them for that and also i want to give a shout out to everybody who was in the audience and then people who like came up after that has never happened to me i've never been recognized at pax before so that was usually that was a little weird Usually I'm with like Damon and like Altano and everyone's like, Oh my God, Altano. And he's like, Hey, look at me. I'm Altano. Uh, so I was, Good I've impression. never had. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You really transformed into him there. Yeah. I, I, I've been, I've been practicing. It's a gift. I just so. can't tell them apart now. <laughs> I'm actually his body double when he's just too tired to be bothered at PAX. So these are not um, them. These are their stunt doubles. <laughs> that's the first baseball <laughs> reference we've ever had on nbc and i appreciate that so much and let but, there be many more oh yeah oh my god yeah absolutely that unfortunately is the uh only bit of time that we have left and i'm oh. sorry to say we have to end the show uh follow us on twitter at nvc podcast submit your question block questions to the nvc facebook group which i will remind you is an unofficial group so if you see the NVC Facebook group and you're like, this isn't right, well, it, it actually is. Uh, I pop in there quite often to interact with everybody. It's it's a very nice group, lots of good people. Thank you, Mitchell, for coming out and uh, telling us about Switch Sports and other Nintendo subjects. I want to thank Marion on the ones and twos. And most of all, thank you to you all for hanging out with us. And remember, NVC is the only place where you can Get the thing. Get the thing. Get the thing. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. 
So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.